Welcome to the Northeast Community Church Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to know more about us, visit us on the web at necommunity.church. We've been in some tough preaching lately, and trust me, I haven't wanted to be in here because i got to first be to partake of what I preach, and it's been challenging. Anybody else been challenged by the words that have been coming forward? Amen. Well, I think this week we're going to find our help. Amen. We're going to find our help. And then in the following weeks, for the next month, uh, we're going to be talking from the subject matter of all of me, where we're going to be talking about spiritual disciplines. Uh, And the reason that we're going there and the reason that we're moving there is we want to be complete Christians. We don't want to just be hearers of the words and not doers of the words. Um, And so we want to be able to uh, execute and live out what we uh, hear in the text. If not, then you could have stayed at home this morning. I could have slept another two hours this morning. Um, But God is calling us to be believers who represent Jesus uh, well to the world. Amen? And it's challenging to be a Christian. I mean, it really is. Think about it. Uh, Jesus taught that we're stuck in between two worlds. We're stuck in between two worlds. The world which we can observe with our senses, the world that we can see, the world that we can hear, smell, taste, touch. And then he talks about this invisible world that actually governs the way that we think. And so we have this physical world that we can, we can put scientific tests to and, 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 and we can evaluate. But then there's this other world that you can't see, but it governs our, our thoughts. For the sake of conversation today, we're going to call that world the spiritual realm. Now, some of y'all are saying, Pastor, you don't usually talk like this, but hey, it's in the Bible, okay? It's in the Bible. And I'm not going to be spooky this morning. We're not going to talk about like some stuff that could go on when we start talking about the spiritual realm. But we need to understand that it is a reality. It is a reality. Y'all asleep this morning. I ain't got nine amen yet. Or oh, y'all just don't believe me. That's okay. Don't come back next week. It'll be fine. Um, in the spiritual realm... There are two forces. There are two forces in the spiritual realm. Some of y'all, this is rudimentary. There's the kingdom of God, and then there's the kingdom of darkness. And I hope we haven't graduated in our theology so that we don't believe in spiritual realm anymore. We don't believe that these things don't happen. We're in the Western world where we're governed by science and philosophy, and we've forgotten about the spiritual things and if you're going to believe in God, you've got to understand the spiritual things because God is spirit. God is spirit. And so we have the kingdom of uh, heaven, also call, I mean, the kingdom of God, also called the kingdom of heaven. And depending on the scriptural context that you'll read those words from, uh, it'll have different meanings in different places. So broadly, what the kingdom of heaven is, is where God rules the universe. That's the broad understanding of the kingdom of heaven. But then there's a more narrow understanding of the kingdom of heaven. And that's how there's a spiritual rule over our hearts, over our lives, and our willingness to serve God's authority. So the broad context is God rules, and a subtext of that is because he rules, and because he is a sovereign, and the entire universe belongs to him, we then can allow him into our hearts to rule us. That's the narrower sense of the term. And if you have a kingdom of light, you have to have a kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of darkness is where Satan, who has limited authority, 
He rules with his demonic angels over people who are in a state of living apart from God, living apart from God. Uh, we can also associate the kingdom of darkness when we're reading the text. Often it talks about the world. It, it encompasses the world system that's opposing God. And so now we find ourselves in this colossal battle for our soulish, our, our, our thinking or our understanding, right? And so we have the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And you're going to be in either one or the other kingdoms. There's no in between. You're going to either serve God or you're going to serve darkness. One or the other. Some of y'all saying, not me. I, I'm going I'm to I'm I'm do me. Well, that's the problem. You're doing you, but you're in the kingdom of darkness. If you don't believe me, you can write this scripture down, Colossians 1.13. It talks about us as believers being rescued from the kingdom of darkness and translated into his kingdom of marvelous light. Like we come out of the darkness into the light when we serve Jesus. Amen. And as believers, we live in the world but not of the world. Has anybody ever heard that phrase before? We live in the world, but we're not of the world. So how do we navigate that? How do we live that out? So many things compete for our attention, and it makes us forget that there's these two kingdoms that are at war, raging war against one another for our thinking, for our thinking. And if you're a believer, you're in the kingdom of light, but we're still drawn to the kingdom of darkness. And if you're not a believer, you're dead in your trespasses and you live in the kingdom of darkness. And therefore, us as people of believers of light, we should look at the kingdom of darkness in order to go in and share the light with people so that they can now understand what we say we understand. What we say we understand. And so today we're going to talk about how do we live in this world but not be of this world. And we're going to come from three different Ways of looking at it. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is what we have time for this morning. We're going to talk about how to learn, how to walk and grow in the kingdom of God. How to learn, how to walk, and how to grow in the kingdom of God. First, we need to learn how to learn. We need to learn how to trust God. We need to enroll in the class of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, you grew up in, in, in certain denominations where the Holy Spirit was this mystic force that made us utter in different tongues and run around and gave us goosebumps and, and we did all this stuff, but he only existed in the four walls of the church because people were cussing each other out in the parking lot. And I'm here to tell you today that the Holy Spirit is not here just to give you goosebumps. He's not here. That's not his primary ministry to give you goosebumps. Because I'll tell you the truth. Y'all know my story. 2005, when Vince Young, it was fourth and five, and he ran across that, that end zone. I got, look, I'm thinking about it. I'm getting goosebumps right now. When you used to go on a date with your bae, and your bae rubbed you right there. No, hold on. Right there. There you go. And you got goosebumps. The Holy Spirit is more than goosebumps. So much more than goosebumps. And so we need to learn to trust God. We need to effectively walk in our calling. Now, just not to get it misconstrued, when we say our calling, we're not talking about what you just want to do. When we say our calling, we're talking about what God has 
told us or executed for us to do. And every believer has a calling. Some of us have more specific callings, but we all have the divine calling of going, therefore, and making disciples of all nations. That's our calling. That's first and foremost. And then finally, we need to learn how to grow into Christ-like character. Other words, we need to learn how to look more like Jesus. If you're a believer, your job is to look more like Jesus. I know you thought you worked for the state of Texas, but your job is to look more like Jesus. I know you thought you were an IT executive. No, no, no. Your job is to look more. I know you thought you were a security guard, but no, your job. I know you thought you were a school teacher. No, your job is to look more like Jesus. Your occupation just pays your bills. Your vocation is to look more like Jesus. I think I'm preaching to somebody this morning. Does this sound interesting to anybody that we're going down this, this road? Does anybody feel interested about that? Yeah. Amen. Thank you. I just want to know I was in the right place this morning. I was going to take an offering, and we don't even take an offering here and just go home. <laughs> All right. So if that sounds interesting to you, we need to understand that we can't do any of those things without being filled with the Spirit. And our challenge, I believe, in most churches is we're not filled with the Spirit. And we're going to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning. Then we're going to get into those three topics, and we're going to get ourselves prepared. I'm going to prepare our hearts for the next sermon series called All of Me. All of Me. Amen. So let's get, let's get really rudimentary this morning. It starts with understanding who the Holy Spirit is. It starts with understanding who the Holy Spirit is. He's not someone that you need to be spooked out by. He's not someone that you need to be afraid of. He is not someone that you need to think that, oh, we talk about the Holy Spirit. We all seen it. You know what? When, when most people say the Holy Spirit, what do you think of? Shouting, running. Those churches. But the Holy Spirit is real. He is a person. And I'm not here to condemn or even talk about those churches that do that. I'm not here to talk about that. But I'm here to let you decide what the Holy Spirit is and who he is based on Scripture. First off, let's start here. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. He has personhood. He is a person. Now, when we think of person, a lot of us think of like people, two arms, two legs, that kind of stuff. Personhood describes characteristics of a person like God. God is a person, but he's not people. If that makes sense. I don't know how to help that. If that doesn't make no sense, I'm sorry. He's a person because he has intellect. The Holy Spirit has the ability to have intellect. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 2, 10, and 11 that he searches all things. So he has intellect. The Bible tells us that he has knowledge. In Romans 8, 27, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit has a mind of his own. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit has emotions. To be a person is to have emotions. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30, he can be grieved. And finally, the Holy Spirit has a will, has a will. We think about Jesus having a will, right? When he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done, talking to God, the Father. And the Holy Spirit has a will. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says that he gives us gifts as he determines. 
as he determines. So the Holy Spirit is actually able to determine. He is co-equal with God. He has all the divine characteristics of God, yet he is a person. He's not an it. He's not an it. So what are some of the works of the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible teaches us that he teaches. The Bible tells us that he testifies of God the Father and of Jesus. It also tells us that he guides us, he convicts us, he regenerates us, he re- intercedes for us, and he commands us. In the book of Acts, he said, the Holy Spirit set apart disciples. He is, Jesus. If, if you could have Jesus as your real BFF, best friend forever, and you walked around with Jesus, think about it. If you could walk around with Jesus, that's what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. That's what the Holy Spirit can do in your life. And some of y'all are still creeped out. I can tell by the look on your eyes. But it's okay. It's in the scripture. He has all the divine characteristics of God. Like I said, he can be grieved. The Holy Spirit can be blasphemed. He can be resisted. He can be lied to. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? Lying. How you going to lie to the Holy Spirit? Bam, fell dead. And he can be obeyed. So he has all the divine characteristics of God. He has a ministry. He's not a it. He has personhood. And here's the thing. He comes and he lives in our heart. I know that sounds metaphorical, and, but he comes and he wants to dwell on the inside of you. And so I'm going to name this, ti- I'm going to title this sermon today. You know, I don't often title them. The podcast people say, thank you. It's how to be filled with the Spirit. How to be filled with the Spirit. If you have a Bible, meet me at John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. And we're going to talk about two different elements of the Holy Spirit's ministry that we often get confused. John chapter 14, verses 15. We're not even going to go to 21. I lied to y'all. We're going to go to about 17. But you're going there anyway. So how to be filled with the Spirit. Everybody there say amen. Took you a long time to get off a of candy crush and get to your version Bible app, didn't it? <laughs> if you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's first and foremost. It will be the people that live at your house that act like that, right? And I will ask the Father... And he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you, be in you. And so here in John chapter 14, we see Jesus prophesying to his disciples, telling them that there's going to be this special relationship that's going to come after he goes. He said he's going to ask the Father. Jesus is going to pray to God that he send the Holy Spirit who will be a helper. That word in the Greek is actually parakletos. That's actually an advocate or someone who comes alongside you to help you. So you actually have a helper to walk this Christian walk. And he does it not from the outside but from the inside. As he says, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, before Jesus came, it was very rare that the Holy Spirit will indwell somebody. But he, off, he did from time to time in the Old Testament. 
But after Jesus came and, 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 and secured our, our relationship back to God, what happened was now every believer can have the indwelling of the Spirit. The indwelling of the Spirit. And here are three things based on this scripture that we can take away from what the indwelling of the Spirit means. Indwelling means that he will live in you. We established that, right? Amen. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is given. It's given. Jesus prayed for you to have a gift. It was given to you. It's a gift. It's yours. If you're a believer, it's yours. That's why Paul could talk to the church in Corinth who were living real carnal. But he could talk to them as believers because they had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul went on to share with them what these are the things that you need to do to have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit mean something. They were indwelled. It's a gift. It's given to you at the moment of salvation. Ephesians 1.13. Some of you I'm throwing, I'm throwing out a lot of scripture because I know some of y'all be like, I don't know about that. Go look it up for yourself. He is our helper who was given. Was given. Secondarily, it's permanent. You do not lose what God has gifted you with. God does not do take backsies. God does not say, no, nah, I didn't really give it to you. I had my fingers crossed. Anybody used to do that as a kid? I had my fingers crossed. God does not do that. It's permanent. Look at that. To be with you, how long? Forever. Not until you act up. Not until you break down and sin. Some people believe that you sin, the Holy Spirit evacuates, and then when you repent, he comes back. That is not true. He will be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. And we're going to talk about the spirit of truth here in a moment. Then the third thing, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Indwelling is, rever- is reserved for believers. Some people say we're all children of God. No, we're all created in God's image, but we're not all children of God. Jesus gave us the right to become the sons of God, is what the scripture tells us. And so it's reserved for believers. So knowing that truth, we have people in our circles of influence. We have family members who don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We should want to be more evangelistic to let them know what it takes to be filled with the Spirit or indwelled by the Spirit. But here's the challenge. It's sad to say, in the church, we don't have a lot of spirit-filled believers because indwelling is different from being filled. We don't have a lot of good examples of what it looks like to have a spirit-filled believer. A couple of weeks ago when I talked about them old saints, that they, 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 nothing, like they, just nothing in their life just bothers them. You be like, Big Mama, they finna cut your whole foot off. Well, the Lord is good. Your foot, Big Mama. I want my foot. Just don't bother them. They go to the doctor, get a bad, what they say, a bad bill of health. Anybody old school in here? Go to the doctor and get a bad bill of health. But God is faithful. What are you talking about? We have anxiety attacks. The doctor say, he don't, it's going to be two weeks till they can tell you what that mole is on your knuckle. We lose our mind. But the, fa- but the old saints, they just, they were steadfast because they had something that we don't understand. And the church 
is getting more and more secular. We're looking more and more like the world. And I'm not talking about the way we dress and the way that we, I'm talking about we are acting the way that the world acts. And we want to, we don't understand why there's no distinction. And we read our Bible and we go, man, God, you keep saying, I'm like Paul in Romans 7, I want to do right, but I can't do right. Why can't I do right? Because you're not filled with the Spirit. You're indwelled by the Spirit, but you're not filled with the Spirit. Because Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 13, that when the Spirit comes, he will lead you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He is your schoolmaster. He will guide. He will direct you. You are his protege, but you have to allow him to be your mentor. You have to allow him to be your Lord. I'm sorry. I shouldn't even say mentor. You have to allow him to be your Lord. Lord implies I ain't got no decision in this. Remember when you were little, you used to talk back to your mama and like you weren't going to do something? Because you had just a temporary moment of I just don't, I, I just don't, I just don't know how I'm going to do this. Didn't matter what you thought. Mama wasn't budging. Maybe I didn't have a mama like my mama. She wasn't going to come in there and help me clean up my room. And it better be done by the time I get back. I love Francis Chan's uh, illustration of this. He talks about uh, if you left the house and you told your kids to do something and you got back home and your kids are sitting in a circle in the living room and you say, didn't I tell you to take out the trash, wash the dishes, and clean them rooms? And your kids were to say, well, Father, we sit and we pondered about what you said. I know how to say clean my room in Greek and Hebrew. We prayed about it for a little while. And then we decided to fellowship around what you said to do. How many parents I have in the room? You will have a little bit of a problem with your child philosophizing over what you said do. But that's what we do in the church daily. Let's sit down and have another Bible study and just feel, I, what's wrong with us? We're so masochistic sometimes. We go to the Bible. Listen, if you ain't going to do it, don't even go to the Bible. Because it's tough. You sit there and you look and you see how filthy and dirty and worm-like you are, and then you close the Bible and just walk away and you try to fill your life with stuff so you don't have to remember what you were supposed to do. We need some spirit-filled believers. It's different from filling. Indwelling can be done by carnal believers. Watch this. I hope, I hope my iPad come back on after this. I went to the grocery store this morning. That's why I was late this morning. I told on myself this morning, my wife used to go to the grocery store. I don't know what nothing is at the grocery store. I was looking for this, this uh, Nestle syrup. I was on the aisle with the ass the man. The man said, oh, I, that's too much. I hope this illustration is good because I'm making y'all wait. All right. This is you. This is you. Going through your life, you just a. Uh, whole milk. I, I was hoping I didn't get skim. <clears throat> then the Holy Spirit comes and indwells you. But looking at the milk, you see no evidence 
that the Holy Spirit is dwelling indwelling you. Down in your pinky toe down there. But to be filled, it takes some shaking. It takes some effort. I start to get chocolate milk, but I like strawberry milk. <laughs> and it's red like the blood, so. Now it's transformed. Now it's transformed. Your kids might drink this now, right? Now it's transformed. It takes some shaking. It, take, it wasn't a lot of effort, but it was some effort. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to get on the inside of you and do some things with you. And watch this. We're going to see that the filling, the filling of the Holy Spirit is intentional, but it's conditional. It's conditional. Filling also must be repeated because we leak. Because we leak. Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5. If you haven't read the book of Ephesians, please do. Read all the Bible, but Ephesians, man, Ephesians will do it to you. Ephesians will do it to you. 5.15. It says, look carefully then how you walk. A lot of us don't carefully look how we walk. That's the definition of being a fool. I ain't going to put nobody on blast, but we have people in our house that don't watch where they're walking. And they ain't going to know who you are unless you, make a, unless you make a scene. But we're walking to a wall. Why are you looking at me like that, Reagan? <laughs> we'll walk right into a wall. We were leaving Target one day. I got to tell the story, Reagan. My poor baby on her phone. We look over. She's following another family. <laughs> if you don't look up, My poor baby. She wouldn't have known nothing until she got in the car and the radio station was different. Who's the little car I'm in? Who car is this? I love you. You want some chocolate milk? I mean, some strawberry milk. <laughs> you got to watch carefully. You have to examine your life. And we're going to talk about this in all of me. You have to be able to examine your life. Evaluate your life according to the word. How are you walking? How are you living? You got to walk carefully. The Bible talks about walking circumspect, looking around, evaluating your situations and seeing how you, how you coincide with other things around you. Walk circumspect. Do a little self-evaluation. He says, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Jesus also says you need to work while it's day because nighttime is coming and ain't nobody going to be able to work. He says, therefore, do not be foolish. Now, when the Bible says do not be foolish, what should you not do? Be foolish. I mean, that ain't hard. But understand what the will of the Lord is. When you see the will of the Lord in the Bible, start, your ears should perk up. Okay, what is the will of the Lord? Here it goes. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit. Notice something. The Spirit was sent. Jesus spent, sent him. 
In the book of Acts, on the day of Pentecost, he came, tongues of fire, speaking in unknown languages, uh, preaching. The church was multiplied, right? But now in Ephesians, Paul is telling them to be filled with the Spirit. It sounds like something else is happening here. And actually, the word, the literal translation is be being filled. Be being filled. Filling implies possession. Filling implies that God is taking over or taking control of things in your life because you are being obedient to him. Anybody ever been drunk on wine? Don't raise your hand. But you ever see somebody drunk, drunk? Woke up like, dude, where's my car? Bro, don't even know where my car is. That alcohol had them. Right? Like drunk. Can't walk straight. Slurred speech. And then they be apologized next time. It wasn't me, man. It was a Hennessy. Blame it on the liquor, right? Well, we ain't going to blame it on You were under the influence of it, but it was still you. And so the Bible is saying, don't be drunk off wine, but be filled by the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to take lead in your life. Because what I know about alcohol, I've never really drank a whole lot because I have a whole lot of alcoholics in my family, and I kind of grew up seeing what that is. But what I know about alcohol, it makes you say what you had in your mind to say anyway. They call it liquid courage, don't they? All right, we're going to move on because some of y'all be like, man, you better move on, Pastor. And so we have to give God the reins over our lives, our thoughts, our actions, so that we can be shaken and permeated and so that he can fill us. So that he can fill us. So one, we have to understand that we can be filled by the Spirit. We have to understand that it's a gift for us, and we can be filled by the Spirit. Some of us don't even think we can be filled by the Spirit, but you can be. You can be. And we need to understand that it's a continual filling. Uh, uh, the word in the original language is an imperative. We don't really understand that in the English language, but it's an imperative. It's saying, no, this is what you need to be doing. This is what you need to be doing. You need to be going on being filled. Be filled. Be filled. We used to wake, wake up in the morning and say, God, fill me today. Lead me today, Holy Spirit. Teach me. Guard my life. Show me how to walk. Show me how to live. Show me where the areas of my life that are wrong. Show me that the areas of my life that I need to work on. You said in your scripture that, 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 that if I have my gift on the altar and I know somebody has something against me, Lord, Lord, help me to have the courage to walk to that person and say, brother, can we get this right so that I can be right with God? Think about a believer start acting like that. Just think about that for one second. Just one second. Think about a believer just started acting like that. It just started living like that. What a difference we'll make in our communities, our circles of influence, our schools, on our jobs, in our neighborhoods. We can just walk humbly before the Lord. And we can be like Big Mama and them to our friends. Oh, y'all just, see? Well, Big Mama and them didn't have TV. Well, maybe they should. Yeah, you guys trying to tell you something. <laughs> Cut cable and watch everything on Netflix. But like it's a documentary on how they make shoes. Ooh, that look good. And third, 
it's our responsibility to be filled. Remember earlier I said it's our job? It's our responsibility. Some of you have jobs. When you come in to your job, you have to have a workstation. You have to have certain things prepared for you before you go into the job. You just have to have it. You just can't do your job unless things are prepared beforehand. We just act like we just gonna, we just gonna, that's the problem. Because we, 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 some of us understand about the spirit and we think the spirit means no preparation, no planning, no, none of that. The spirit just means loosey goosey. We think that the spirit being led by the spirit means I have a thought, I follow God, it must be God, I'm just gonna say what I want to. And then try to get the Holy Spirit to co sign your mess. I was in prayer the other night and I just know the Lord told me to do this. And then you just go mess up the whole thing. And blame it on Jesus. How do we get there? How do we be filled with the Spirit? One, you have to believe that you can be filled with the Spirit. Believe that you can be filled with the Spirit. Two, you have to confess sin and repent. Remember, it's reserved for believers. Confess your sin and repent. I say this often, even as believers, sometimes when we're walking in willful sin and we're like, well, the Lord ain't speaking no more. Go back to the last thing he told you to do. Did you do it? Go back to that last unction that he put on your heart. Did you do that? Well, go back, confess, Lord, I'm sorry. I heard you specifically say, or some of us say specifically say, that I wasn't supposed to do that, and I did it anyway, and now I'm suffering for it, Lord. Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, help me change my mind about this thing. Lord, you know I need you. Lord, you know I can't do it without you. You need that level of hunger, and the Holy Spirit will come in. Remember, I told you, the Holy Spirit can't be grieved. Some of y'all say, what does it mean to be grieved? When you come in the house, and your wife cooked that big old good old meal, and you scarfed it down and said, mm, and then, she, then you try to talk to her later, and she's been grieved, she don't want to be all cuddly, lovey-dovey with you right now. Some of y'all say, well, the Holy Spirit sound petty. I guess he do then. I guess he do then. He can be grieved. He can be silenced. He can be rejected. Because he wants to pour his love out on you, and you're rejecting him. He's wanting to show you the way to do things, and you're giving him the stiff arm. You're giving him the husband. You're telling him, talk to the hand because the face don't understand. I brought it back to 97. <laughs> Confess, sin, repent. And then when you do those things, the heart, like when you repent, the next natural progression, the next automatic step is obedience. Obey what he says do. Jesus said, if you love me, do what I say, do. If you love me, do what I say, do. And we all can stop right here and just cry, can't we? Because I know better sometimes, and I just do what I want to do. Sound like an old temptation song, a do, do, do. What I want to do. And then finally, ask and pray that he will abide in you, so that you can be sensitive to his leadings. Ask and pray that he will abide in you so you can be sensitive 
to his leadings. Some of you might be saying, well, I don't know what God is speaking. Like, how can I know if it's my thoughts or God's thoughts? Well, one thing we have to do is we have to get in the Word. We're going to talk about that in all of me as well. We have to get in the Word because what, we're obli- what God is obligated to bless is his Word. God watches over his Word and he blesses his Word. He ain't got to bless your plans. Well, I just know the Lord wanted me to uh, 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 move to Hawaii and buy a big old house on the beach. And then they came to pass and the Lord has just forsaken me. No, that was what you wanted. That's what you wanted. You know how expensive it is in Hawaii? You can't get a, even get a loan in Pflugerville. You're trying to get a house in Hawaii. <laughs> but the Lord said, I felt that I went to a, a thing and a man laid hands on me and told me I was going to preach on the beach. He said preach with bleach is what he said. So we have to be obedient to God's word. The Bible tells us that we renew our mind by being consumed with his word and his way of doing things. 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 Want to see a supreme example? Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane, about to go to his death, about to go to his imminent execution. He said, Lord, if there's another way, check it out. We need to figure it out right now. Because I know they're coming. And I know what's going to happen. I'm Jesus. They're going to beat me like I stole something. And then they're going to beat me some more. They're going to rip the flesh off my back. They're going to put a crown of thorns on my head. They're going to parade around like it ain't no big thing. They're going to strip me buck naked. Not like y'all saw when y'all were little. Y'all saw with the long cloth buck naked, just, just naked. They're going to rip out my beard. They're going to punch me in my face. And if that ain't bad enough, I'm going to have lost so much blood. I'm just going to be up there. I'm going to be barely hanging on, and they're going to crucify me. And they're going to stand there, and they're going to mock me. So if there's another way, let's figure it out right now. Think about that for one second. Jesus was so powerful. When they came for him, they said, where is Jesus? He said, I am he, and they fell backwards. He said, if I wanted to right now, I can send a legion of angels to come and destroy all of this. One angel can kill a whole city. I can come and I can destroy all of this. But then he went on to say, nevertheless, not what I want. Your will. Not what I want to do. What you're calling me to do. Some of y'all say, man, Jesus, that's far-fetched. Come on, man, that's just Jesus, okay? Remember last week, Jacob, going back to face his brother, left alone to wrestle with God. And Jacob had to understand. He said, listen, 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 I'm going to go do what you tell me to do, but I ain't going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going to move on. Y'all get quiet. I know, I know when to move on. I know when to move on. All right. So as we go, we're going to reevaluate those three things, and then I'm going to let the worship team come back up as we go. Feeling is necessary to learn. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for it is light to learn. 
so we can understand that we can pass our heavy burdens onto him and we can learn more about him. And so when we're filled with the Spirit, it's something about being filled with the Spirit and being cussed out. It's something about being filled with the Spirit and all manners of, of hell just, just, just going on around you. You have this kingdom of darkness trying to creep in. And guess what? Here's the thing. Some of us are going to get scared. When you get filled, guess what's coming? But it's well worth it. Listen, I'm just going to keep it real real quick. Some of y'all want no punks in the world. Why are you going to become a Christian and be punk? Come a punk. Let Satan just run roughshod all over you. Oh, Lord, this is a spiritual warfare. You better check the devil right there. You ain't going to let nobody. Even now, some of y'all Christian in your Christian walk, let some mama bear, let somebody come out to the babies up at the school. I wish they would. <laughs> I wish they would. Not my child. And just be rocking. And then on the drive over there, you don't you don't have the whole situation at hand. At hand. And you and the teacher lucky she apologized when I first walked in. Cause I and you don't hit in the head in your mind, you don't hit in the head with the racers. You don't in front of the whole class, you don't stump the lips off. Y'all laugh because y'all know it's true. But then spiritually, I'm just a little punk. Do what you want to do, devil. Do what you want to do. And we'll move on. So it teaches us to learn. Listen, being filled with the Spirit is essential for believers to mature. It's vitally important that you be filled with the Spirit in order to mature. Or else you're going to be a baby Christian your whole entire walk. Don't make no sense walking with the Lord 37 years and you're still just a baby. You hear me say this all the time. The Lord ain't going to graduate you. You'll be a 37-year-old in kindergarten. They can make you sit on the floor because you don't fit in the desk no more. Over there culling. It's your 37-year-old self culling. Still can't get inside the lines. And finally, it's essential to be filled with the Spirit in order to do Christian service. Some of us are trying to serve out of our strength. And that's why we get so tired. But when you're filled, doesn't mean that your body doesn't get. But that's something that just keeps you going. You can't serve outside of being filled. Listen, I know this as a fact, as a pastor. I talk all the time, and I'm prone to this often. Listen, I talk about being the first partaker of the word before I can share the word. Listen, listen, as believers, sometimes our, 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 our Christian walk becomes a to-do list. And we're running on fumes. And we're running on fumes. And then we're hypocrites. That's why they say ministry is messy. You got a bunch of tired Christians walking around just mad at each other. Ain't nobody want to serve or, 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 or think more highly of their brother. They, they tell shoo, shoo. Sit up there and tell me. And we're ready to fight over the color of the carpet. In the nursery. Can't have no kids on no red carpet. We're ready to fight over the smallest of things. Because we don't get our way. We want to fight. And God is saying, it's time out for that, saints. Do I have a church full of people who want 
to be filled with the Spirit of God, who want to be led by God, who want to actually activate the spiritual gift that the, that the Holy Spirit has given you so that you can execute that and exercise that in the lives of others. Because God, listen, what I say this all the time. What God has called you to is his primary means of sanctifying you. And some of us ain't even understanding what we're called to, and we don't understand what God is sanctifying us for, and so we just, just show up. Another Sunday, I'm going to show up. And we're sitting on our gifts. We're sitting on our talents. And there's a parable about that. Listen, I wish it was different, but this Christian walk is real. And it's time out for being okay with sitting on the bench. And God's going to begin to lead us and walk with us in a way it's going to not only give you life, but give life to the other ones, those other ones around us. That one come up. And so here's the thing. I got the worship team ready to come sing another song. I want you to think about this next song, during this next song. What is the, what is the thing that's keeping you from being obedient to God? Or what is the thing that's keeping you from walking close to God? What is the thing that's keeping you from your prayer time and your Bible reading time and your devotion time? What is the thing that's keeping you from joining a small group? What is the thing that keeps you from doing the things that says to God, you have all of me? Can we treat our Christian walk like we treat our responsibility on the PTA? Anybody have them PTA parents? They be in, them PTA parents be into PTA. I'm serious. They making flies. They, they got cupcakes. They, like, can we put some of that energy into the kingdom of heaven? Into the things that are eternal? To the things that really matter in our life, if we say they matter? Can we put that amount of energy into some of that? So what's, what's hindering us? And for some of you, while I'm preaching, it hits you right in your face right now. And as you can identify that thing, just present it to the Lord. If it's, I feel like I ain't got enough time, God, I'm too busy. I dare you pray to God, God, I'm too busy. Show me how to free up some time. That means we got to put some other stuff down. Thank you for listening. If you would like to know more about us, please visit us at anycommunity.church.